Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Church. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on social media or visit us at harvestak.com. We pray that the message would encourage you and challenge you to grow in your faith with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. And it's an honor when Pastor David invites me to share. And so I don't take it lightly. I spend a lot of time in prayer seeking the Lord and, and asking for his direction on what I should share about. And in approaching this particular service, I, I had a couple of ideas that were, were just kind of ideas, you know, things that I thought, well, this could be a good message. This is, you know, pretty solid. I need to develop it. Um, but a couple of just thoughts that were in, in my mind as to, to what to talk about. The more time I spent meditating on those, I just thought, well, you know, these are good. Of course, they're based on the Word of God, so you can't go wrong there. But I didn't feel like it was a now word, like it was what we were supposed to do today. And as we were in a a staff meeting, I just kind of threw out this idea. Um, It was almost kind of on a whim. And... um, I was a little nervous to suggest it because I didn't want anybody to think, well, Nathan, you can lead worship, so you're taking the easy way out because you're just leading worship the entire time. Um, But I suggested this idea of, what if we had an extended worship time? And and everybody just resonated with everybody, like, let's do it. That sounds amazing. So then I started talking to a few worship team members, and, and they were like, let's do it. That sounds amazing. And all of a sudden, I've got this great big worship team that's ready to do it. And um and, you know, it's not every week that we have a great big worship team either. And so part, and part of it was I, I started thinking about that going, well, you know, the Lord must be moving on this. If people's hearts are stirred and they feel like this is what we're supposed to do, then, then I think we should do it. So as I started preparing for it, though, I really, the more I prayed about it, I thought, you know, I think it would be good. See, it's really hard for me to separate myself from being a teacher. And so in my heart, I kept thinking, I... I really should spend some time just briefly teaching about what worship is before we do this. You know, I should explain why we're doing this extended worship time. It's, it's, it's impossible to avoid this, this thing where you just have, feel like you have to explain it when you're a teacher. Sarah, um, Sarah called, I'm working from home right now. Sarah called me the other day at home, and she put me on speaker, and Pastor David was in the meeting. She needed to ask us both something. And um, it was a simple yes or no answer. But she had Pastor David and I on there, and both of us tend to thoroughly explain something. And so 15 minutes later, we said to her, well, does that answer your question? She goes, really, yes or no would have answered my question. (laughs) Um, I imagine if we had had the opportunity to present a PowerPoint, we probably would have done that too. Um, So the, the point is this. It's on my heart to, to move into a time of extended worship this morning, but I want to just share a little bit some things that have been on, on my mind and my heart as I've been meditating about worship. And, you know, some of you are probably like me. You grew up in the church, and um, from, a, from a young age, I can remember worship being a part of a service. But a lot of the time, you know, as a kid especially, I just thought, well, this is just music that they're playing. You know, I didn't really, I didn't make the connection of why are we doing this? I, I would, you know, like, well, we're singing some songs and this is great. But first of all, the songs, I didn't really like the style of music back then. It wasn't, you know, there's nothing wrong. I mean, first of all, praise God for Jehovah Jireh and the Vineyard Movement and all those things that happened through the church. 
All of those were taking us to another level of worship. I'm not knocking that at all. But for me as a kid, it was just like, "Eh, it's not really my thing. It was really hard for me to connect with it. I like to listen to, and this this will date me, but I like to listen to this group called Petra. Any of you guys remember Petra? (laughs) Petra was awesome. And then, you know, and then the thing was they came out with this album called Petra Praise. And they took the they took all those songs that we were doing in the church that to me felt boring in the way that they were presented. I agree, I understand that that's not everybody's impression of that time, okay? But for me as a kid, that's what it felt like to me, okay? And they did these songs and they just kind of rocked them out and I was like, "Man, I like this. Like this would be great if we could do it like this." Well, the point the point is this. The point is is that I I believe that in the history of the church that worship music has has matured. It's grown. And as we've increased our understanding of worship, so has our expression of worship increased. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is that not only have we involved more instruments, we've started to involve more styles of worship, and there's still a lot more for us to grow in this area. But just as our expression of worship has increased, I believe that our understanding of what worship is, is continuing to increase. And so that's really what I want to share from today, is that even though we have an understanding of worship, I think most of us get the basic concept of worship. I want to share some things today that I believe are are increasing our understanding of it, taking it to a new level, and seeing that, that worship is, it involves much more than we could have imagined. And so the first thing I want to talk about, um, and because any good teacher would always start with the Greek word, I want to start with a, a Greek word. The, the first thing I want to talk about, the first thought is that worship really is about God. Worship really is about God. And that sound, sounds like a fairly elementary statement to make. But when you, when you analyze this and you start to look at what that means, I think you're going to get some revelation the Greek word for worship in the New Testament is proskuneo, and I asked Pastor David, he's, I guess you're taking a Greek class. I was trying to make sure I was pronouncing this correctly. Um, apologies out there in the internet world. There's probably a Greek scholar somewhere watching this that's going to email me tomorrow and tell me I did that wrong. I don't know. But listen, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on the meaning of the word. So proskuneo means to kiss, as in to kiss the hand of a superior Some scholars believe the word actually is derived from the idea of a dog licking its master's hand. See, this is the great mystery of worship, is that worship isn't about us. It's about God. But the mystery is that it fully involves us. I mean, think about that for a minute. It's 100% about God, but it fully involves us. We're to be fully engaged in it. I once heard... um, and uh, when I say this, it might step on a few toes, but just please give me a moment to explain it before you, you know, tackle me or anything. Um, I've heard many pastors say at the end of a sermon, they'll get to the end of their message and, um, and they'll ask the congregation, did you get anything today? And that's not wrong to ask that. A pastor will teach, they will edify, they will exhort, they will instruct. So when they're done with their message, that's a good thing to say, did you get something You know, did this bless you in some way? But what if I were to flip that statement for you with worship and think about it this way? Did you give something today? Because that's really the concept of worship. If it's about God, 
although there's this kind of paradox here and that we're going to see that we get something in it anyway. That's one of the amazing things about it. But, but if it's 100% about God, it's about what do we give in worship, not what do we get from it. And so it's, it's completely flipping our understanding on its head. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It uses this word sacrifice. And I think sometimes we, we kind of shy away from that word because it has an Old Testament kind of feel to it, right? When we say sacrifice, well, you know, Jesus was the, he was the final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. Yes, yes, and amen. That's a whole nother message. That, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here when I say the word sacrifice. But the idea behind a sacrifice, which, by the way, this is a New Testament passage anyway that's using the word sacrifice. The idea behind the word sacrifice is that it costs something, right? I mean, a sacrifice, when you say you sacrifice something, you're giving something up. And there's probably a level of discomfort. There's probably a level of trust and something unfamiliar to you involved in doing that. Hebrews 13, 15 uses the same word. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So again, the concept here is that worship is about God. It's not about us. So I'm asking you, when you worship, did you give something today? That's really the heart attitude when we come to worship. What are we giving? Are we entering in with thanksgiving do you guys know, I asked the first service this, and no one knew, I don't think. Maybe Pastor David knew, but he was quiet about it. He didn't want to steal anyone's, you know. Um, maybe you guys know. Do you guys know the first time that the word worship appears in the Bible? And the worship team can't answer because they've been stuck here all day. So they already know. The first time worship appears in the Bible is in Genesis 22. That's the first time the word worship appears. Now, I think, you know, if you were to look at this a little bit deeper, you could make a, you could make a connection with the story of Cain and Abel, right? Because Cain and Abel both bring a sacrifice, which, by the way, you remember what the sacrifices were, right? One was meat, one was not. Which one did the Lord accept? I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, that's... Don't found a denomination on that. I just like hunting and I like meat, so I just kind of like poking. It's, it's okay. Anyhow, Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham. And you are probably familiar with this story. God has told Abraham to take his only son Isaac, take him up the mountain, and to sacrifice him. Imagine what Abraham is thinking as he travels. Picking up in verse 4 of chapter 22. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. This is the first place that the word worship appears in the Bible. So I want to think about this for just a minute. And again, you've got to separate your mind from this concept of the fact that he's He's performing a very Old Testament model of worship, right? We know that that model is completely done away with. Jesus has 
been the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the veil is torn. We're not talking about that model of worship. What I want to focus on, though, is that Abraham is going to worship. That's what he says. And imagine what it's costing Abraham. That's where I'm going with this. What is Abraham giving? What did you give today? What is Abraham giving as he goes to worship? And think about it. I mean, of course he's giving his son, right? That's the that's this natural response. But go a little deeper. Do you imagine he's he's giving up control? He's trusting completely in God to do this. He's obeying God, right? He's got to obey God without question in this example. And look at what the angel says. The angel stops Abraham. You know the story. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So the Lord recognizes Abraham's obedience. He recognizes what Abraham is giving. The second second thought I have for you this morning is that worship is about attention. So first thought is that worship is about God. The second second thought is that worship is about attention. And I've got a picture that I want to show you. Um, I don't see Carrie. Is Carrie in the nursery? So Carrie Gilliland, actually, I stole this from her Facebook page, but I don't think it was copyrighted. So, um, <laughs> but I'll give credit where credit's due. Carrie Gilliland shared this to her Facebook page. And this is so true in the day and age in which we live. There are so many things competing for your attention. You know, some of the things, I don't know if you can read all of these, but just conversations, product placement, photos, podcast, text message, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't see Instagram on there, but it's there, right? YouTube. <laughs> all of the above, right? All of this is competing for your attention. But worship is about the Lord having your complete undivided attention. And that's a difficult concept for us. You know, some of the experts right now are talking about that we're just so overloaded with all of these sources of information. I've heard experts saying that our brains were never designed to process this much information. And we're getting what they're calling like information fatigue or exhaustion. There's a couple of like terms that are floating around. There's another term, though, that's floating around as well. And it's, the term is to be fully present. Have you heard this term yet? It's, it's great. It's great being fully present. Here's the concept behind it. It means that whatever you're doing, you're fully present in that moment. So if I'm spending time with my kids, I'm not like thinking about that text message. And look, guys, I'm, I don't have this down, okay? I'm, like, I'm not saying that I got this at all. This is super hard for me because my brain's always thinking about all these things I've got to do. But being fully present is something that's challenging for us this day and age. But that's what worship asks of us. Worship asks for our attention to be completely on God, to be fully present with God in that moment of worship. 2 Corinthians 3, 13 to 18 says, We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. 
Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to read you a commentary on that particular passage. The author writes, This passage speaks of attention. Removing the veil cripples the power of the opinions and the distraction of others. Unveiled, we stand before God face to face. In the place where we contemplate the Lord's glory with our attention fully on Him, God transforms us into His image. The Greek word for transformed is the same word used to describe the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17. The root word is metamorphic, the root where we derive the English term metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is the process by which a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. Think about that for a moment. This picture is incredible. When we turn our unabated faces, our attention toward Christ, God transforms us to be like Jesus. You see, worship is about God. But as we turn our attention to Him, something happens in this process. Something comes back. He sings over us. Something comes back to us in the process. So it goes from this all about God giving you my full attention to all of a sudden you're having an encounter with God and something's happening. And that's the third thing that I want to talk about today. Worship is about encounter. The result of our attention resting on the Lord during worship is an encounter with Him. It becomes a two-way exchange. Not only are we transformed to be more like Jesus, we find communion and fellowship with Him in worship. He meets us where we are, and as we minister to Him, incredibly, He ministers back to us. Some of the most powerful moments in my life have come from times of worship where when I stop singing for a minute and I just sit and I'm still in the presence of God, He ministers to me in such a powerful way. And I believe that's His heart. You guys know the scripture, Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. There's something that's happening in the middle of worship. The Lord is talking back to you. He's ministering to you as well. I don't think this is a concept that we fully grasped, but I think it's something that's really important for us moving forward. You remember Abraham, right? The story I was just talking about, Abraham. Look at the end of it. Look at what the Lord says at the end, starting in verse 16. This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed." all because you have obeyed me. There's, there's something the Lord is pouring back into you in that process of worship. Are you guys familiar with Jonathan Helser? There's probably a couple of you that will recognize that name. It's not like he's, a, he's not really a celebrity, but, but I can make some connections for you that 
will help you understand who he is. Um, you know the song, No Longer Slaves? You know the song, Raise a Hallelujah? So Jonathan Helser and his wife, Melissa, were the ones that were kind of the key writers in those. There were, of course, co-writers, but they were the key writers of those songs. And Jonathan and Melissa have a ministry in um, North Carolina, and uh, they're, they're associated with Bethel Church, doing some things with worship with them. I was watching a sermon where Jonathan was preaching, and he was sharing this idea recently that just kind of just kind of blew my mind, and it ties into this idea that during worship, the, the Lord is pouring back into us as we pour into Him. Now, b- before I share this, though, I just got to say, you know, please don't, this is not the kind of concept to start a denomination on here, okay? So I'm going to share something, but, you know, this is not, <laughs> please, please don't do that with this information, okay? Um, but I, I really, I share it because I want you to consider it, and I want you to think about it. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 9. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Now go all the way back to verse 9. Here's the key word in this passage. I never saw this before Jonathan started talking about this. The word whenever. It implies a continual cycle. You know, for years when I'd read this scripture, I'd just think about, okay, yep, this is what happens, and then this happens. But this implies that this happens, and then it happens again. That they lay their crowns down, and then they lay their crowns down again. Well, if they lay their crowns down again, how do their crowns get back to their head? I would propose that Jesus puts them there. That he ministers back to us. Look at Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Here it is. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. So what I'm saying is this. This is the picture, right? The we're bowing down, we're saying, you are worthy, Lord, you are holy, you are worthy. The crowns are laid down, and he's saying, oh, my son, my daughter, I love you. That's his response. I love you, and he's ministering right back to you in that moment. The worship team, you guys can come back up. We're going to go into a time here of some extended worship. We're going to spend the rest of our time together today worshiping the Lord. But before we do, I want to share one more passage of Scripture with you. Another one that I believe will be somewhat familiar to you. Mark chapter 14, where Jesus is anointed at Bethany. And I'm going to start in verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was at Bethany in the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume 
made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured out the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why do you criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This passage is a beautiful picture of what it means to come and worship at the feet of Jesus and to pour out everything. A couple things for you to think about. First of all, what this woman did took courage. She walks into a situation, interrupts a dinner. Secondly, she's a woman. And third, the fact that she's touching Jesus kind of upset some people too. But she doesn't care. And she anoints him. Not only that, she anoints him with something that was worth a year's wages. I mean, think about your annual salary for a second in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. Okay? But think about that. Think about the value of that to you. And in a moment, she just poured it out. There's something else I saw in, in preparing this message. I've never seen this before. I mean, I've read it, but I've never thought about the implications of it. Look at the very end of verse 3. It talks about what she does with the jar to get the perfume out. She broke the jar and poured out the perfume. Why not just take off the lid and dump it? I mean, I don't know for sure why she broke the jar, but can I give you some thoughts on this? I think, I think she broke open the jar because there was no going back. When she broke open the jar, she's not going to be able to put that perfume back. Have you ever wrestled with something internally where you're debating on whether you do it? Maybe it was the first time you ever lifted your hands in worship and you're like, well, what if that person next to me, they're kind of weird. What if they see me or, or whatever? Stepping out in faith for something. In that moment where you're wrestling with that thing internally, Maybe she was wrestling with the exact same thing. This is worth so much money. I don't, man, I don't know if I could, you know, I mean, if I just opened the jar, I could pour out half, and then like, if I second-guessed myself, I could stop partway through. But she didn't. She broke the jar, and all of it was out. There's no putting it back at that point. She was all in. She was fully surrendered. And that's what worship is about, fully surrendering to Jesus focusing our attention on him and giving him all of the glory. I want to give you a couple of practical things for the rest of the service. So like I mentioned, we're going to move into a time of worship. And the, uh, the worship team is going to help me minister here. We would like for you to be able to join us in worship, but it's going to be a little bit different than normal. The first thing is we're going to lower the lights, not because it's a concert, or, you know, we're going to turn on a smoke machine or anything like that. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> oh, no, no, being serious. <laughs> no smoke machines. 
hey, we're turning down the lights because remember where our attention needs to be? And sometimes when the lights are on, it's just kind of, I get it. There's a lot going on in life, and, you know, um, my kids make noise when they're next to me, and I'm, you know, half focused on them, and I, I get it. The idea behind turning down the lights is to create an atmosphere that helps you fully engage in worship. That's all we're doing. Second is um, you are free to stand. You're free to sit. You're free to kneel. You're free to walk around if you like. Not on the stage, but you can walk around. <laughs> just spend this time talking to the Lord and just enjoying his presence and worshiping him. Amen? When, when we get toward the end, uh, Pastor David is going to help us facilitate kind of coming out of this time of worship and closing the service, okay? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it out across social media. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church, you can visit us at harvestak.com. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.